Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco's Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more. Good morning, everybody. We stand this morning amidst a confluence of stories, a season offering all kinds of metaphors to carry us. First, there is Persephone dragged into the underground by her uncle Hades to be his wife, wondering what the future will hold In Lynn Unger's imagined moment, the young maiden, sheltered up until now, wonders basic things like, will there be life with sun again, with friends and parents close enough to touch again? In all her not knowing, she could be us. Never again to forget, even when rescued from some of this, how close death sits, always under our feet. And then there's Moses and his people, liberated, it would seem, from so much past suffering, now on the other side of the Sea of Reeds, and just steps away, they thought, from an eternity in the promised land, or so they thought, instead finding themselves in a desert place, wandering. Their duration in this place is not clear, taken day to day, not always the food you want available, The lines for manna are not long, but it's a redundant diet, like so much rice and beans in the larder. And there is the inconvenience, the hardship of doing without so much that they were used to. And all that grumbling at the leadership, rightly or wrongly, what's the joke? Why did the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years? Because Moses refused to ask for directions. Indeed, 
Some Moseses do refuse to ask for or take direction, and the people suffer as a result. Doubtless, too, some people, weakened of body long before this hard trek began, won't have the constitution to make it through. The people, most of them will get to the promised land, but there will be a lot of desert crossing before they do. Then there are the Easter Christian traditions of this week, Holy Week, which began last Sunday with the story of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. Years ago, I was in Merida, Mexico, during Semana Santa, or the start of it, on Palm Sunday, when people lined the streets uh, along a certain path through the city, and there was a Jesus, a statue, almost life-size, complete with human hair, riding a burrow with wheels that was pulled toward the church. And all along the way, people reenacting that day long ago, people tossing palm leaves on the ground before Jesus, like the carpet of cloaks we hear that they laid down in the description in the book of Luke. This statue of Jesus that day in Merida already looked haggard and worn from years, decades, of being taken out on this annual journey, which seemed to me then as now oddly fitting. It never made sense to me the uneasy joy of this man Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. After all, he at least knew what turning toward Jerusalem would mean. Take this cup from my lips, he prays, on the Mount of Olives days later, but the cup remains. And in the end, the crowds that greet him at the gates that first day, well, they feel like they're hurrying and cheering him toward his cruel and final end, at least they always have to me. What follows this entry is a week of poignant and significant moments, the turning over the tables of the money changers at the temple, a reminder of the Jesus who can get angry and impatient with our penchant to make and keep nothing as sacred. There are the days he spends teaching at the temple, healings, and Thursday night, the gathering, according to tradition, of his closest friends, those who share his ministry, those who carry his ministry on after he's gone, gathers them in a Passover Seder led by their rabbi, a part of a formal commissioning of them into the ministry that awaits them, and part formal goodbye. The rest is the great unwinding, not a story for children, not the Easter of bunnies and bonnets, but the other Easter story, the one that begins with the betrayal of a friend, an arrest, an unfair trial and a false conviction all to serve political ends, and then so much cruelty. 
We human beings who have an extraordinary capacity for kindness and courage, for generosity and grace are reminded at least once a year in our ritual lives, those of us who at least tell and retell this Easter story, we're reminded of this other side of who we can be, of how sometimes we don't ease the tide of human suffering howsoever we can. Instead, we seem to urge it on. Perhaps mercifully, Jesus's life will end his misery at that point on Friday. For hours before we are told the sun fails, almost in a kind of natural sympathy with what it's forced to witness. And when he breathes his last, we're told that the curtain at the temple rips, though no hand is there to tear it. And it is finished as they say. It's a rough week, Holy Week. A story in which evil triumphs, where cruelty and lust for power win out over wisdom and kindness, in which sectarian tribalism crushes gorgeous courage and these sweet and insistent pleas for unity. And it's a week in which one small band of people lose the person they love most in the world and would follow to the end of the earth. We who have heard the story before know that it doesn't actually end there. That's just Friday's portion of the week's story. We, we know of the amazing events to come. We know that by Sunday, today, loved ones will return to a tomb where Jesus' body has been temporarily placed because there wasn't time to bury it before the Sabbath began on Friday night. And they come there bringing spices and ointments to anoint the body to prepare it, and they find it missing. The rock rolled back, this empty tomb, and we, we know that they will meet angels there who tell them that the body wasn't stolen, but it rose from the dead. And we know that other disciples will see or meet the risen Jesus, including the two who meet him on the road and eat a meal with him before recognizing who he is. And we know that they will soon know that death does not have the last word, that life going forward won't just be defined by evil or loss, by some inexplicable means, new hope, awaits them, new life. But I realize I'm not there yet. I mean, that's the Easter, that last part, that's the Easter part of the story, right? But I'm not there yet. I'm a, a preacher on Easter morning, stuck in holy week times. And I wonder how many of you are too.
I mean, Holy Week from the gates of Jerusalem onward is what? It's this journey toward predetermined loss and hardship and suffering. And my friends, that's the journey we're on. That's the backdrop of it, at least. That's the defining condition or one of the big ones right now. We in San Francisco, we are lucky. We have bent the curve for now, but even with the bending right now, people are sick and dying or lost to us already. We rang the gong to them, 112,000. And before a vaccine is discovered and manufactured or a medicine is found that can suppress the viral response to a slow march of reproduction to give our bodies time to fight it, until then, this road is somewhat about predetermined loss and struggle, isn't it? How much loss? We don't know what it will look like on this journey entirely is mystery in part. But the minute we stepped into the COVID-19 chapter of our lives, we knew this is what it would mean. As much as Jesus knew some of what his journey into Jerusalem would mean, I imagine the day the vaccine arrives in shipments large enough to start protecting the most vulnerable and then the rest of us. And I imagine the day some discovery liberates us from fear. And I imagine that day all of us pouring out in the streets into something like ticker tape parade meets Mardi Gras on a scale unparalleled, that, that that day will be Easter for me and Easter for me when ventilators and N95 masks go back into storage and healthcare professionals go on vacation to Disneyland with their kids and their elder parents and folks with lupus breathe a little easier without masks on their faces. And choirs sing shoulder to shoulder Thursday night at rehearsals and no one gets sick. That will be my Easter. But we're not there yet. For me, for some reason, the image that feels most real the one that sticks with me is of those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Many of you, I'm sure, know the moment. It, it takes place after the empty tomb is discovered. These two disciples, they've heard about all the events there, about the angels and what they said, but that all feels like a tall tale to them. We aren't even really told why they're traveling to Emmaus, why now, but we are told that they're deep in conversation about what has happened. And we're imagining, we can imagine what that conversation might be, the raw feelings of searing loss that they're holding and 
naming together the existential groundbreaking confusion about how to live through it and what awaits them as disciples of this man afterwards, they who are counting on him to guide their lives and shape their work and call. We imagine them talking about all of this and what it means and how to get through it. And you and I know, it's unfair how much we know, we know that in a moment another traveler is going to join them on the road and this traveler will talk and teach and eat with them when they ask him to and that only at that meal will they realize, will the scales fall from their eyes and they'll realize who it is they have been traveling with and then they'll have a sense of the way forward. But just before that is the moment, just before that, well, it's the moment that feels like this moment to me. Just before they're joined by this mysterious stranger, just then, just them, walking, holding all of it, trying to figure out a way through it together. To me, that's this year's Easter. I mean, we know there will be life after this hard chapter. We know most of us will get there. We know will come through it, not entirely what it will look like, but where we are right now is on the road, keeping company, wondering, journeying into the unknown, all of us a little bit afraid, a little unsure, but maybe too knowing, knowing that sometimes life is like this. But sometimes, in desert times, you just keep company until you find your way to the edge. And until you finally know where all this was taking you toward or to. Maybe today we're not the Persephone who soon enough is going to be liberated to go outside and feast at her father's table with her mother by her side and the rest of her family, but instead we are the Persephone who sits wondering how long she's going to be in this unfamiliar place with all of its death, knowing too that that place will change her. Maybe we're the Israelites arriving eventually at the land of milk and honey, but not quite there yet. Maybe, as Kathleen McTeague said in the reading that Allison shared, right now we're being opened and cleansed, though, in some necessary way. And why not? Why wouldn't we be? I mean, wisdom and compassionate. Hasn't it always been what we are able to take away the door prize to chapters of suffering for those of us who can stay open-minded and open-hearted in the midst of them? And it's certainly true that a lot falls away in Holy Week times, in Hades, in the desert, by the tomb. In those places, one learns what matters. It's hard not to. 
For me, the good news of all this hardship we face is that when spring is sprung, or we arrive at the promised land, or we wake on the real Easter morn and we begin the next chapter of life on the other side of struggle, that you and I will begin with a new kind of clarity and a depth about how it is we'll rebuild and on what ground. And then we'll have a sense a lived sense of what life looks like on Easter, what hope on our two legs looks like. Bless us in our journeys then through hard places and into the liberations and hope that await us on the other side, because they do, Happy Passover, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy spring, everyone. Hold one another close and tender so we arrive safe and together on the other side of the story. I love you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org.